Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a quick little GDP minute slash movie update slash intro into an interview. All right, guys, I'm going to give you a verbatim update of what's going on right now. We're having some VFX problems. We are. I'll explain it. Essentially, one of our VFX legs is big, file-wise. And you can't edit it very fast because the files are so big. When we started the project, we had a computer that allowed us to edit quickly and make these changes quickly. We lost that capability for reasons I'll tell you later. But right now, what does that mean? It means I'm pushing to get this project done by June 30th. And I have to go out and find this insanely rare and complicated, huge computer. So my VFX artist and myself and Jack can accurately attack this VFX sequence and get what we want out of it so we can create something very entertaining for everybody. And we're not there yet. So we're just, we're super limited from this computer. So I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm on my way to a bunch of different video game companies in Boston because I've exhausted every VFX house. They don't have it. But via video game companies use huge computers to process their files. Essentially, they use the same softwares. So I can't get a hold of them on the phone. So I'm actually showing up to their offices and I'm going to ask them, like, dude, can we use your computer? Can we work something out? That's the solution I have right now. And uh, I'm hoping it works. That would be awesome if we can get the sequence done. Other than that, that's just been the biggest holdup, the biggest mental holdup of the movie and moving everything forward is getting this sequence done. We have a bunch of stuff done. Color's almost finalized. Sound is almost finalized. One of the VFX legs is almost finalized. But this VFX leg is daunting. So that's what's going on right now. But I'm just fucking bringing it back to that day one hustle that I miss, that actually makes me feel alive, and just going and trying to fucking get this shit. Excuse my language. But that's what's going on, man. We have our premiere date locked in, so everyone behind the scenes is working hard on working towards that date. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna announce it just yet. I can't, we gotta do it right. This project is too big, just say, so yeah, that's when we're doing it. You guys gotta know, we'll fucking come and correct this summer, brother. So that's what's going on. Hustling, working very hard. And Lexi interviewed my boy C's Money over at Abot Studios this week. So that should be pretty cool. I'm actually really excited to listen to that one. Caesar is, is part of the tag team duo at Abot. You guys met Alex earlier. But yeah, Caesar is one of the guys who works over there. Now, other than that, I'm sure I'll be able to look back on this podcast and be like, damn, that's how you dealt with that problem. But that, that's that's what's going on right now. And it's an immediate problem that I have to take care of right now. So all of my brethren, we are hustling. If you guys like the podcast, if you guys like Golden Deer, if you guys like me, 
Just share that with a friend. That's all I ask. Haven't missed a week. Won't miss a week. All love. Let's get it. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. Hi, my name is Cesar Ribot, and this is my golden hour. Welcome back to another episode of GDP The Director's Cut, where we're breaking down and analyzing the production and creation of the GDP movie with the help of the people who helped make it all possible. Today, I'm so fortunate to be joined by Cesar Ribot. Cesar is a post-production artist and the co-founder of Abot Studios, the studio currently heading VFX for the GDP movie. Um, originally from Puerto Rico, Cesar is also a writer, producer, video editor, and actor with his bachelor's in theater performance and master's in digital cinema. Cesar has worked on visual effects for years now and has a plethora of short films and music videos produced and edited under his talented eye. Today, he joins us to discuss his rise into the world of post-production, involvement in the GDP movie, and more. Cesar, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. So my first Happy question for you is um, you said that you've been always been fascinated by the art of storytelling. Where do you think this came from? Wow. Um, honestly, it's one of those things where it's as long as I can remember. So I guess it's uh, uh, due to my upbringing, I guess I was really, uh, was kind of a bit of a loner at first when I was really young because of family issues with my sister. Um, so I took a lot into, I got really into stories. Of course, back then they were cartoons, but it would be cartoons, fairy tales, all the, anything with a good story that was like uh, something that took you on a bit of a journey. That's what I really like, you know, something that would give uh, your mind's eye something to see, something to experience. And I think it all stemmed from that and eventually graduated into me reading a lot of books. I was starting really into comics when I was a kid. I did enjoy the characters, but not really like the act of just buying comics constantly. I'd rather prefer reading full-on novels, you know? And then, uh, so yeah, so I took off with that and that started my love of storytelling. And then, of course, when my parents, my dad was, I want to say my dad was a big movie buff, but he did enjoy a lot of movies. And so by watching movies with him all the time and I got, I fell in love with movies and storytelling that way, you know, the visual medium of storytelling. So, yeah, one thing led to another, really. So you liked um, media, consuming media early on as a form of escapism. Yeah, yeah. At first it was escapism. Later it was just more like, I guess it was Sylvia escapism. But, um, but yeah, it was escapism at first. And then I just enjoyed the very, just the idea that someone could come up with this world, this story, these characters and make it so interesting that people would just get engrossed in it and lose themselves in the story, you know? Do you so, remember any specific works that first really inspired you? Wow, that is a tough one. Because the thing is that I never really, hmm. This was back before uh, the Star Wars franchise got by, bought by Disney. So like, it was way back when, uh, I don't know if you remember that back in the day, there used to be this expanded universe of the Star Wars series, you know, the Star Wars and films. And then all these authors just kept writing these novels set in the Star Wars universe. And like 90% of them were canon. Like, even though we're different authors, completely different angles, completely different storytelling, storytelling styles, they were still considered to be part of the same shared universe. And I read a lot of those. I think one of the first ones that really got me was uh, the Thrawn trilogy. 
it was, I forget who the author was, man. Um, but yeah, the thing is that it was, uh, it was Australia, it was one of, um, I don't want to say an author and then get, and then get uh, slaughtered in the comments later, because <laughs> I know I'm going to get the author's name wrong, but I know it was the Thrawn trilogy. And it literally, this is a, a, sto a story that takes place right after Return of the Jedi. So it literally continues the story from the movies. And so I just sank into this, like, wow, and this guy's, eventually I realized that this guy had nothing to do with the movies or anything. He's just a completely different author. And just added to this world. And that just made me fall in love with it even more, you know? Yeah, I really, I really get that. And were you reading these stories when you were back home in Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, back then there were a lot of, yeah, Barnes & Noble was available back then, I think. If not, all well, the thing is, we used to, uh, we have some of my family was always living in New Jersey and New York. So we tended to fly a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so and every time I was in an airport, I was immediately going straight to the bookstore to see if there was anything that caught my eye, anything Star Wars or anything or sci-fi. I used to like a lot more sci-fi than fantasy, actually. Still kind of do. Um, but yeah, like uh, every time we went to a bookstore or one of the big... Uh, big shopping centers and stuff, one of the first things I would do is go to the book section, see if there's anything, a continuation of what I was reading or something like that, you know? Like, it, like my passions back then were novels and Transformers, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I have to out myself real quick. Can you explain uh, to me the difference between sci-fi and fantasy? Oh, sure. Um, all right. In sci-fi, let, let me make, let me get my thoughts in order. All right. <laughs> So, uh, the thing is that the two, like, when it comes to Star Wars, that is sci-fi fantasy, like, because mm -hmm. it's magic and stuff, like, science fiction is about stuff that's almost plausible to do, you know, there's, the whole center about it is technology and advancement, uh, like Star Trek, that's purely sci-fi, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think Stargate, was that sci-fi? Well, the first episodes were sci-fi. Anyways. But yeah, essentially sci-fi, if it uh, sci-fi centers around the technologies that humans can make and build and how the evolution will affect humanity as a whole, whether it be for good or for bad. That's usually sci-fi. Um, now, when it comes to fantasy, in the broadest of terms, it's um, more about... It's about magic, you know. This is a very broad, also that I get started with this, but it tends to be more a lot uh, about magic, you know, like stuff that is kind. Of, it's kind of similar in a way because it's stuff that humanity has no control over. You know, it's a natural thing, a natural force that's all around you and gets altered and used by humans. Um, in that regard, fantasy can be a lot like sci-fi, but in fantasy. It's more like the old gods or the old ways or the power of nature or the power of magic, you know, stuff that wasn't created by humans, but that humans either are taking control of or have to deal with. Like, uh, probably gonna get, I keep saying I'm gonna get butchered by this, but <laughs> it probably, I probably will. Um, you know what, clearest example, Harry Potter. Pure, that's pure fantasy. You know, right. like the only the only uh, technological stuff there is the muggle stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything else, everything the 
all the stuff the main characters are dealing with, all the supporting characters, the whole trauma revolves around this force that is completely out of humans. The humans didn't create it. They're just taking control of it. They're just manipulating it. Um, but it's old curses, old folklore, old, everything old, you know. That's what fancy tends to lean towards. Actually, there, there's a good comparison. Like um, fantasy tends to deal with humanity or sentient beings dealing with power coming from the past. And sci-fi tends to deal with sentient beings dealing with the power from the future. Mm. I think that's actually pretty poetic. Well, um, but, Susan, thank uh, you so much for clearing that up for me. I really no that was a great explanation. Um, you mentioned earlier um, that you're from Puerto Rico. How has yes. your Puerto Rican background influenced your work? That's an interesting question. I guess I guess I try to be more I try to be less cut and dry. I think that's the best uh, it's kind of hard to quantify really, but seeing I try to be less cut and dry either in my edits or my work. Like I always have to, I always like to add a little bit of flair to it, whether it be narrative flair or comedic flair, or maybe just a little bit more pizzazz, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, I guess because um, from my point of view, um, Puerto Rican culture is a lot about the experience, you know, a lot about having fun, a lot about being with family a lot of flavors, like whether it be flavor of the culture or flavor of the food, especially flavor of the food. Uh, don't come to Puerto Rico when you're on a diet. <laughs> uh, be strict about yourself when you come to Puerto Rico because you will gain some pounds. Um, but that's just like a cultural thing, you know? Like, uh, like we always try to enjoy the moment. That's one of the things about Puerto Rican culture that I love the most. We always try to enjoy the moment. Does that mean that we sometimes splurge a little bit? Yeah, but we have fun. <laughs> I know you and Alex first got your start in um, production, filming, music, filming and editing music videos of Latin artists. Um, how do you think you guys have kept that sort of liveliness and spirit in your work now? Can you repeat that question? I know you guys got started with uh, doing music videos for Latin artists and editing them. How do you guys mm -hmm. think your work has changed over time and how do you guys kind of stay loyal to those roots? Mm. has taught us different ways of approaching because when we first because we did get a lot of a lot of our commercial work has been with latin artists and stuff but even before then or well i guess we wouldn't call it work it was more like personal projects a lot of um, personal films and shorts and stuff like that um our previous work before starting to work with the artists our all our work was mostly narrative you know mm -hmm. like Everything we said had, had to be a story, it had to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know? Like, I need to go to the grocery store and buy milk, you know, that sort of thing. Meanwhile, a lot of music videos tend to be more about the emotion and like, while stories tend to be kind of logical in their progression and stuff, like, oh, this happened because of this, that happened because of that, and everything has an order, a sequence. Um, with music videos, a lot of times it's a lot more about the emotion, like almost reactionary, like, ooh, I see colors, ooh, that makes me happy. Ooh, I see dancing, ooh, that makes me wanna dance, you know? Very reactionary, which is why 
a lot of times like uh, music videos go pop, 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 pop. They go from scene to scene to scene to scene. Each one not really having any relation to the other ones outside of the people in it, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's like, because uh, a lot of these music videos tend to do, uh, they tend to mirror a lifestyle in a way or the image of a lifestyle uh, rather than actually showing a story, you know? And so what that did in, in our work was that we kind of, when we got into doing music videos, we were doing these, uh, the first music videos where we were trying to get into the swing of things and all that. And then we started like meshing the two things together, you know, so that we would do the jumping from point A, from A to B to C, like they do with music videos. But we try to put a connecting thread throughout the whole thing. Like you can really see that, I think, in on our, uh, one of the last videos we did was Decir uh, Adios by Coscojuela. Uh, that's because um, is one of the big artists here in Puerto Rico that we've had the blessing of working with. Um, anyways, in that one, it's a music video, so there's different sets in the music video, like one moment they're outside, the other moment they're inside, and that sort of thing. But there's a general thread, and when you watch the video in its entirety, by the end of it, you can literally see all the dots connecting. You know? And that's kind of been our, like our style, how it's evolved because of this, because of working with music videos, really. So. so that can bring us into the present. What are you and Abot Studios primarily up to now? Well, right now, besides the uh, Golden Deer uh, movie, um, we are personal projects, kind of side, few side projects, some more commercial, like um, some podcasts we're doing for a company we've worked with for years, and a few VFX, some VFX work for other music videos that we've been working on recently on the side. Um, outside of that, we've been uh, doing some personal projects, me, uh, me on one side, Alex on the other, uh, trying to get more familiarized with some other software for uh, use in future projects, because um, like lately, there's been a lot of progress in the, with Unreal Engine, mm -hmm. and I mean, that has been working in the, back, in the background for a while now. But now it's really starting to become a true uh, tool for cinematography, you know, and being a lot more accessible. So we've been, I've been personally, I've been trying to get myself more familiarized with that as well, trying to get some more projects, uh, some more personal projects done on the side, uh, with the intent being to learn the program backwards and forward to be able to do more, uh, more intricate 3D work in the future. Yeah. And what has the learning process been like for you? It's been interesting. It's been interesting because uh, Unreal, uh, I don't know if you know anything about it, but it started off as a game engine. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So, it's a lot of the um, a lot of thought processes behind the program tend to be more video game centric. And though I personally am a gamer, I've never been a coder. So, the idea of, okay, I love playing video games, but how to make the guy, how to make Mario jump, uh, that's sometimes makes me go, what? So, um, so it's been a bit of a learning curve, but it's uh, it's really interesting. Like uh, once you get into the stride of it, you get really engrossed in it. And before you know it, three hours have gone by. It's like, oh my gosh, where did the time went? You know? Yeah, exactly. So, so um, it's, it's good in that regard, you know? I understand. Mm -hmm. you, mentioned, you mentioned earlier um, working on Connor's project. I know he originally reached out to you guys over maybe social media or an email to connect. Um, what mm -hmm. you guys into the project? 
Well, to be honest, it's just, uh, it seemed interesting. You know, the whole premise of making this all, uh, um, of essentially turning Boston, in, I don't know why I put a P there. Uh, mm -hmm. The whole process of it, of turning Boston into this post-apocalyptic landscape was, uh, I don't know, it was intriguing to us because we've seen, uh, we love movies like uh, Mad Max and uh, Blade Runner and all those, like, all those movies where they created these amazing landscapes that are, you know, for uh, interesting and foreboding and a bit daunting at the same time, you know? And the idea of creating that uh, in a project we got to work on was uh, very intriguing. Uh, and I don't know, it's just the idea of turning Boston into this post-apocalyptic landscape was, uh, it was something that we, it, right at, the, at the time, we were kind of working on new ways of creating more interesting environments anyways. And then this popped up. So we were like, kind of like, so it was almost serendipitous. Yeah. I think I'm using that word correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and so since, and we honestly liked the project. I mean, we saw the movie, it looked interesting. We truly love working with Connor. Um, so yeah, we just everything matched up. So we decided to go for it. The last time I spoke with Alex, I believe back in May, he told me you guys were working on primarily coloring. Uh, where are you guys in the process compared to two months ago now? Well, right now we are in the process of putting all the haze and effects into the different shots, like uh, all the rotoscoping, all that stuff has been done. Every once in a while, there's something that because of the, the new direction some of the coloring has taken, there's been some adjustment that have had to be made. So we're doing a lot of that, a lot of that work as well to me. Um, it's uh, progressing very, very well. It's uh, now, it's almost, it's at that point where it's almost close to fine tuning. So uh, we still got a ways to go, but it is definitely taking more shape. It's definitely like, now it's more of a thing of making things make sense, you know, because it's one thing to just add dust on a scene, you know, but it's another thing to make it seem like it's part of the scene, make it make, it make sense within the scene, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have a so, do you have a favorite part of the editing process personally? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I wouldn't say there's a uh, favorite part because it's not like sometimes people will say like it's either the pre-production part where you're planning everything or like at the end of the movie when you add the music to it. Uh, and everything comes together like that. Uh, with me, it's more like the tiny aha moments. The tiny aha moments throughout the progress where you're like, okay, we need to make this look like this. And then this does this. And then, aha. So when the, the moments where things just click and they actually look and the thing starts coming to life, those are the moments that I really, that really, that I really enjoy, you know? Usually they they tend to happen a lot more near the end when you're adding the music and everything, you know, then it's once one everything starts feeling more complete. But it's the aha moments throughout the throughout the progress that really keep me going, you know. Always looking for that aha moment where it just clicks and like, yes, this looks awesome. This has so much potential. That's what I really like. Yeah, life is about those small victories, right? It really is. It really is. 
you really don't think about it too much, but yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It keeps you going every day. Makes you wake up every morning. Um, do you think there are any common misconceptions about VFX work that you want to clarify? Ooh, so many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, well, the biggest misconception that I've personally come across in my work has been that, uh, you know, everyone has cell phones, everyone has iPads, and everyone can just do add a little filter, make everything look pretty and all that. And because of that, as amazing as that technology is, it's made it so that people get in this get this mindset, to, at least from my point of view, that adding the effects at the end is just either click and dragging something on top of something else or just hitting a button and then it magically just resolves itself. And the thing is that in reality, what people think takes like five minutes, maybe an hour, can take upwards of three or five hours to days, really. Like I've had issues where uh, due to the complexity of an effect, getting 10 seconds done of film can take upwards of a day, you know? And I mean, the it has to be done that way. Otherwise it will not look good. It'll look either for, I don't know. I'm, I hope you, hopefully you don't have to edit this, but half-assed, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, that, is it bad? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it can look, if you, if you do it too quick, it'll look half-assed. And, but the thing is that most people think that, uh, in my opinion, that it's just click and drag or click a button and voila, it's done. Like the VFX artists, all they have to do is just design originally. And after it's designed, it's just copy, paste, and done. And each shot is different. Each shot, but in each shot, the lighting is different. Uh, the positioning, everything's different. Um, just uh, pretty much just scaling, scaling. Yeah, scaling and the framing of all the subjects in the shot are going to affect all of the effects. So it's not as easy as everyone makes it out to be. And of course, ABOT Studios would never half-ass their work. So I oh, wanted, to know, I wanted <laughs> to know if you wanted to plug anything that you guys are working on or developing right now. Well, like, like I mentioned earlier, right now we don't have any big projects right now. Like there's a lot of uh, commercial work on the side, some VFX work here. Uh, we did uh, do some VFX work on a music video for Rafa Pavon, if I remember correctly, yeah. Rafa Pavon is another Puerto Rican artist, and we did some VFX work for that, um, like, um, and stuff like that. Other than that, really, all we're working on, we're just kind of concentrating on the, those personal projects to get uh, more into Unreal and all that. Uh, hopefully, in the future, we should have something bigger in, our, in the works. But uh, right now, we're just kind of setting up the groundwork just to make sure that we don't, we don't try to prevent any stumbling with the big works later on. If, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right now, the biggest project we were working on is uh, the Golden Year, uh, Apple Cinemas. Uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much what we're working on. Uh, I just finished doing some extra VFX work for another client. Uh, and I just sent that to him, just waiting for his response to see whether he agrees or not, and uh, that's where we're at. Well, Cesar, you sound booked and busy, and I could not be happier for you. I have, no, thank you, thank you. I have one final question for you, and it's a fun one. As you All know, right. as you know uh, the GDP movie is about a zombie apocalypse that happens in Boston and how two people would react to it. 
How would you react to a real life zombie apocalypse? Uh, real life zombie apocalypse. First off, uh, I will start with Head for the Hills. Um, let's see, real life zombie apocalypse. Well, there's a few places that are sort of fortified that I know of, or it can be easily fortifiable. Um, hmm. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's a few places I would fortify that I know that it could be fortified pretty easily, but that would take a lot of manpower. And the manpower is a problem because they're all zombies. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, what I would do was just try to get to uh, get to my family first, uh, get them uh, boarded up, so let them make them leave their stuff so we can go somewhere more defendable, uh, keep everything light, keep moving constantly, and uh, try to get a very, like, get a vehicle that's really, really sturdy. You know, something that, okay, we need to move. We can go off-road, off, like, because everything's going to become off-road eventually. So if I could get my hands on a tank, I will get my hands on a tank. Just because that way I don't have to worry about, like, getting it stuck anywhere. It's just plow through everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, essentially, that would be my model. Just plow through everything and hope for the best later. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the the progressive, just keep pushing through it at this uh, attitude. So sorry. I think oh, did, you got to, because if you, like, if, like uh, in Walking Dead and all these shows, like, what happens when people get settled in an area? That's when the hits the fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get entrenched, you get comfy, and then it hits the fan. And then, oh, God, and then it's a, it's a massive escape scene. No, no, just keep moving. Keep uh, Become nomads if you need to. Just keep moving. Yeah, that um, way you never have to escape because you're always moving. Exactly, exactly. If it becomes part of the lifestyle, it's not... Uh, if it becomes part of the lifestyle, it's not as traumatic. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> well, on that inspiring note, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to say goodbye, Sistara. I have one final thing for you, if I could just thank sure. you. Uh, do our little intro outro for you. I'll explain to you how it works and we'll be in and out. Got it? All right. Sure. So what I'm going to have you do is repeat two sentences back to back. It'll go like this. Hi, my name is Cesar Ribot, and this is my golden hour. And then hi, my name is Cesar Ribot, And that was my golden hour. Does that make sense? Okay. So uh, the first will be, uh, hi, my name is Cesar Ribot, and uh, this is my golden hour. And then the last thing will be hi, my name is okay. I'm Cesaribo, and this and that was my golden. Like Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Yeah, can do that. Just let me know when. Yep, whenever you're ready. All right. <clears throat> All right. Hi, my name is Cesaribo, and this is my golden hour. And then da -da 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 -da. well, I'm Cesaribo, and that was my golden hour. <laughs>